Hey everybody, it's Matt, bringing you the Critical Diversions games and news, or uh, some games and news, my games and news, my curated list of games and newses to talk about today, uh, on October 13th, 2023, it's Friday the 13th, who cares? chill out. I will say, haven't watched any any scary stuff. Um, I'm not I'm not a big, like, if I want to watch a scary thing, I'll just watch it whenever I want. It doesn't need to be October or whatever, but yeah, you know, it is a gray, overcast, cold, fall-ass fall day in Hamburg today. I wouldn't mind watching something spooky today, I guess, or sometime soon. I don't really have anything on my list. I was just talking to Justin about Nicolas Cage stuff, and I'm very behind on movies in general ever since I moved here. I'm, I'm Besides, like, major tentpole stuff, yeah, I haven't seen much. Um, even before I moved here, though, I had never seen, uh, I still haven't seen Color Out of Space, that, like, uh, Lovecraftian Nicolas Cage alien invasion-ish thing. Talking to Justin about Nicolas Cage stuff brought that movie back to my mind. Really want to see it. Maybe I'll check and see if I can view that easily anywhere over here in Germany. I'm not sure. But anyway. Spooky. Let's get to some stuff. Um, I figured we also, we, we just had a new episode of the Games Club podcast go up. So Let's do another update on the Games Club. Maybe we do that every couple weeks or whenever I guess there's news to update on the state of the Games Club. So yesterday, as of the time of this recording, uh, me and Seth and Wilkins got together and talked about Gunbrella for a while. Uh, it was really good. That game has more to talk about than you would think. Um... When you look at it, it just kind of looks like it's going to be a you know, pretty straightforward action platformer shooter thingy. Uh, there's a lot more going on than you think, narratively and choice-wise. And yeah, We talked about it extensively yesterday. <laughs> I think nearly two hours. I wasn't expecting to get that much out of it, but we did. Turns out we can talk about games for a long period of time, even when there's just a couple of us. So, that's up. Listen to it. I think it's one of the better episodes we've recorded so far. It's good. No more talking about Gunbrella from now on. Um, next, we are going to be doing Firewatch, and we are going to be doing that soon. I would hope with definitely within the next week. Um, I'm guessing probably Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, somewhere in that time frame. Not sure yet. We'll get that sorted out probably later today or tomorrow. Uh, so that's the next big thing for Games Club. Mario Wonder is after that. No idea what the schedule is going to look like for that. I don't expect that to take people too long. I expect probably most people are going to have it beaten within a few days. Who knows? We'll see. I'm not in any rush, but we got weird schedule stuff going on. We'll see. Excited for that, though. Excited to really play like a platformer, like just a straightforward platformer. And the fact that it's a new Mario game, that'll be fun to try and cover in this format, I think. Looking forward to it. Lastly, when it comes to the update on the Discord and this podcast and the Games Club in general, 
I had mentioned, I think last week, that I was wanting to do some kind of anniversary, one-year anniversary of Critical Diversions, the magazine that we put out last year. Um, still doing that. In fact, we are doing it even more than I was expecting. <laughs> um, much like the magazine itself uh, that started off as just a simple games of the year list with some illustrations that kind of blew up out of control. Um, the scope of this anniversary podcast celebration thing is also expanding and getting out of my control and is probably beyond my scope of ability, but it is not outside of my ambition. So we're going to do it. We are going to press ahead and do it. Um, I think I've talked to most of the people involved. I haven't talked to Jim yet. And Jim, I know you, you seem to be a regular listener of the solo podcast. I need to get with you and talk to you at some point. What we're planning on doing is um, each of you is reading your piece. In the case of Wilkins and Boogs, they're selecting one of their pieces to read. And then Jim and Seth are going to be reading uh, their their individual pieces and sending them over. If you're not comfortable with reading it or you don't know how good of a recording you can provide or whatever, you can just send it over to me or... Rather, I can just read it. I can do it myself if you want. We'll talk about it. I'll talk to you at some point soon, Jim. Um, Seth, I think, has already sent me his recording for Night in the Woods. I have not listened to it yet. Probably going to do that in a little bit after I finish this podcast. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a little more ambitious than I thought it would be. Uh, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. Uh, I have the intro already done. I like it quite a bit. It's stupid as hell. Um, sorry, the cat, whenever I turn the laptop on, the cat just really wedges himself between the laptop and the shelf, and <laughs> he almost is knocking everything down right now. Um, looks like he's settled and he's comfy now. He's got that hot air vent on his ass. Would we all be so lucky? Um, but yeah, I guess I'm not going to say too much more about it, uh, besides the fact that obviously we're having hopefully five people narrating their pieces and there's gonna be a little bit more than that not sure exactly how the structure is gonna go i don't know if we're gonna also wedge in a normal one of these games and news in there maybe that's a dumb idea i'm not sure i'm not too worried about that yet we still have well over a month to figure that out but yeah like i said jim i will get in contact with you at some point and see how you feel about sending me a recording of yourself reading your hades piece and if you don't feel comfortable, I can just read it. No big deal. We'll figure it out. Let's get into games. Um, we'll start off with Firewatch, which I just started replaying a night or two ago. Haven't played it since 2018 or so. Um, and like I said, this is our next games club, so I'm not going to go too in-depth here. Uh, my wife and I were just playing it this, this morning before she left. She has never seen it, never played it herself. Uh, so without getting too in depth here, because again, we're going to be covering this. A big part of the story is kind of like these two characters that are kind of bonding, even though they probably shouldn't be, uh, at least in the way they're bonding. Um, my wife does not like it. <laughs> she likes the game and the focus on nature and stuff, and it looks gorgeous. 
she does not like the the way these characters are connecting and bonding and the circumstances in which they're doing so. Um, which, to be fair, I don't think you're supposed to. Uh, they are very charming to to listen to. They're very well acted. Um, she does not like it. Uh, at one point, the the female character is saying that she is drawing you, and you you can give a few different responses, and they give a couple comedic responses. And I went with the the comedic route. I said that I looked like Burt Reynolds. My my wife didn't like that. <laughs> Again, we're gonna talk about this when we do the the games club, and maybe maybe I can convince her to come on this one if she's around. Uh, I'm not sure. We'll have to see. Um, she did not like that I was giving comedic responses. I don't know if that was like she doesn't like that I am doing that from the perspective of she wants to see what would happen if the character uh, was shutting the flirting down right away, or she doesn't like it that I am engaging <laughs> with it at all. Um, we paused the game and we, and we talked for like five, ten minutes about just kind of stuff and like how humor is kind of a defense mechanism for me. And uh, yeah, it was interesting. Like, yeah, we're not, we don't have to go to marriage counseling after this. I don't think, um, I hope not, <laughs> but uh yeah, we, we just had like a, a little talk about it on the side. We, we sidebarred in Firewatch just to like talk about our perspective on like, I don't know how relationships evolve and change and whatever. It was it was pretty interesting. I wasn't planning on playing the whole thing with her. I didn't know how interested she was. And just sometimes it's just she doesn't have much interest in watching me play narrative stuff like this. Uh, she seems pretty engaged besides the fact that she hates the characters. Um, so I'm probably going to try and finish that up while she's watching. From my memory, we're well over halfway. I'll probably finish it up either tonight or tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh, and yeah, like I said, we're doing a whole games club on it next week. So if you want to hear more about my failing marriage and Burt Reynolds, tune in to the next episode of Critical Diversions. Um, next on my list, I did play a bit of Switch Sports, um, last weekend. We went over to my in-law's place. Uh, there's not much to do over there. I guess that's how it is with a lot of in-laws, right? Just kind of bored. You just sit around and look at pictures and have the TV on the background, eat dinner, and then you leave. Um, sometimes we bring my Switch over and play Switch Sports, which... For those who don't know, I feel like I say that a lot on this podcast. For those who don't know, for those unaware, Switch Sports is basically kind of a remake of Wii Sports. Um, it's like a combination of Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort, plus some new stuff or whatever, or a reimagining of Wii Sports. Um, it's not that good of a game. You know, Wii Sports just hit at such a specific moment in time and hit the culture in such a way. It was just such a huge part of the zeitgeist. Switch Sports, you know, they even did Wii U Sports, or I don't remember if that's what it was called, but they also remade Wii Sports on Wii U, and no one cared then. I don't think many people care here now either. I'm glad it exists. Um, you know, it's funny, since 2006, it feels like we, we've just had... Nintendo bowling games to bring over to in-laws places to make it a little less boring. 
my father-in-law who is like he plays games he likes rpgs and stuff um he mostly plays a lot of assassin's creed stuff but yeah like he he played a little bit of tactics ogre last year it was too hard for him but he liked what it was laying down um he he clearly played the shit out of um we sports bowling and he's doing all kinds of techniques he hasn't quite mastered like the physics <laughs> like how the physics differ here or like how the motion controls are detected here versus the Wii. Um, yeah, it's funny. It just takes him a little bit to get warmed up, like a whole first round of bowling to get warmed up. And then he'll usually get like third or even last place. But then you do a round two or three and that motherfucker is getting like six strikes in a row. He's figured out the, tw the twist and the curve he needs to do. Um, it's funny. It's cool that this, Thing still exists even though it is functionally mostly the same as it was nearly 20 years ago god the fact that the Wii is coming in on 20 years old jesus christ let me take a sip of water to that one um you know i i haven't played that much switch switch sports we mostly bought it just to play with the in-laws i did a little of like the battle royale bowling and that's fun and goofy the sword fighting is cool. Chenbara, I think it's called. Um, and yeah, soccer in this is basically just Rocket League. It's all neat. It just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't have any, like, teeth to it. Um, you know, there, there's, like, I don't know if there's season passes or whatever, but, like, they change, like, the unlocks you can get every few weeks or whatever, maybe every week, I don't know. Um, like, my dude has a robot body, but a hippie sunglasses and bandana look going on i don't know um i'm sure it's cool for the people that really like it it just feels like the time has long since passed for these kind of like i don't know motion controlled party games i guess i don't know um it feels very quaint nowadays but it is fun to have something that you can play with the in-laws um previously we had played some of the Switch Mario Golf, I forget what it's called, Power Tour, Power Rush, I don't fucking know, um, over there. They like that too, but yeah, Switch Sports just has like a more basic presentation for the most part, and like anyone can understand bowling, whereas you might not understand or be able to comprehend like when Wiggler is uh, driving down the hole and there's ice flowers going off or whatever. I get it. I would probably rather play Mario Golf despite my issues with it, but Switch Sports is fun, too. I checked out the Dave the Diver demo. <laughs> that was a lot of Ds in that. Um, so Dave the Diver is... I don't know if I'd call it explicitly a roguelite. It definitely has some, like, roguelite elements of that. I think every time you go diving, it is in... Like, it's randomized or whatever. At least that's the impression that I get from the dialogue and stuff. I only did, like, what, five or six dives i think um but it's half diving and and getting loot and supplies fish whatever exploring underwater and then half a sushi management thing kind of i don't know if this changes later in the game i wasn't doing the actual cooking of sushi i was just serving it and pouring tea which is also cool um 
I know people are really fucking stoked about this game. It got really good reviews on PC when it came out a few months ago. People just really seem to love it. I'm not... It was okay. Um, I wasn't in love with it. I'm always very wary of these games where there's like two distinct and separate, but they still affect each other gameplay loops. You know, Actraiser is the classic example for me of, you know, it's half kind of shitty Castlevania and half very bare bones, like town simulator. But I don't know, those two come together in such a perfect way. It's the perfect balance in Actraiser. I can still, like, I've played Actraiser in the last few years and it still is good. Not saying it's like amazing, but like it has this addictive quality to it that I can't. I can't think of many other games that go for this half and half thing. Manage the closest I can think of is Cult of the Lamb from last year, which is half roguelite Hades esque thing and half like yeah village simulator where you're having to deal with like building buildings and managing your members of the cult and stuff. Even there, there was so much imbalance. And I know they've patched it since I played, um, but there was so much imbalance that it, it was all kind of fucky. <laughs> I don't I don't know how... I, I have no other word to describe it. it, it just it, That game was kind of fucky in a lot of ways. Um, very glitchy on Switch as well. Very poor performance on Switch. Again, I know they patched it since. I would like to go back and visit it. I know they've done not just patches, but content updates, free ones, paid ones too, I think. Um, so even though I really like Cult of the Lamb, it, it is very, the balance was really out of whack. Fucky, as it were. Um, also I think of stuff like Moonlighter, which is half dungeon crawling thing and half shop simulator, but like neither of them are satisfying enough on their own, but they don't, they don't feed into each other in a satisfying way either. So like, I just don't really want to play either portions of the game at least give me one half of the game that feels really good you know um i don't know that dave the diver manages that from what i played of the demo and again i didn't even finish the demo i don't know how long it goes i was just kind of bored um it looks great i really love the way it looks the aesthetic the writing is good i love the interface the music is fantastic i just i wasn't very intrigued by the swimming and maybe or the diving rather Maybe that gets more interesting the further in you get. Maybe I, I think there's hints of like giant squids and stuff. Maybe there's like yeah, some some Lovecraftian eldritch weird shit going on. I don't know. Even if there is, I don't know if the tone of the game is exactly what I want for something like that. You know, Dredge that came out earlier this year. Sorry, we're just name dropping a lot of stuff. Um, Dredge, which is like a visual novel. I don't know, horror fishing game thing. Uh, the tone of that was like pitch perfect from what I saw my wife play. Um, this, I don't know, it's, it's goofy. And that's fine, but I don't, with, with eldritch monstrosities and Lovecraftian sea squid Cthulhu's and whatever, I'd like to take that stuff more seriously or have it presented more seriously. I don't know. This is all a lot of conjecture. Maybe there is none of that anyway. I know there's like hidden... There's like Sunken City stuff in here already in the demo. It was talking a little bit about some of that. Mostly, I'm just concerned with the gameplay loop. Um, if 
the restaurant portion gets more complex and or like you actually start cooking then maybe we're, maybe we're talking i don't know i really love a good cooking game cooking simulator um i haven't played the switch port yet but cook serve delicious just came out on switch i think yesterday or two days ago uh, i think two and three have already been on there for a while but i really only ever sunk my teeth into cook serve delicious one which is basically just a typing game dressed up like a cooking or restaurant simulation game. I lost, like, I think I bought that on, like, a Christmas break from work. I was off work for, like, a week. And Cook, Serve, Delicious was on sale for a few bucks. I bought it. My day was just gone. <laughs> just instantly. I should play some Cook, Serve, Delicious. One, not two or three. I hear two and three are good. I just really want to play one. It's very simple and yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Dave the Diver. I know people are excited. People are excited. Uh, I hope it's good. I wasn't super impressed, but it definitely, it wasn't bad or anything. Just wasn't, wasn't super intriguing to me. Maybe there's just so much other stuff going on that who needs it for me at least right now. I don't know. We'll see. It's out. I think the, not this coming week, but the following week, the week after Mario Wonder and stuff. But yeah, Spider-Man 2 and Mario Wonder out the same day. Like, I, I don't have time for Dave the Diver or whatever. It's, it, I don't Bad timing, but apparently every game release is bad timing this year, honestly. So I watched my wife play a lot of the Ooblets Halloween 2023 event. I don't have much to say about it, mostly because I haven't played Ooblets myself, but I have watched my wife play a lot of it the past year. Y'all should just fucking play Ooblets. I don't really know anyone that has played it besides my wife. I know Seth played a little bit of it, um, and I guess I'm part of the problem because I haven't played it either, but I don't know the tone and aesthetic and stuff of that game. It's incredible. Uh, my wife says it's her favorite. You can't directly compare it to Stardew Valley. It's like a weird mix like it has like an animal crossing gamecube tone but it's not like a it's not like that game really it's more like a non-violent pokemon game set in like a small town and everyone is a goofy cartoon character and everyone's dancing and it's also a card battling game i can't say too much about it yet but I kind of just wanted to bring it up because I think more people should play Ooblets and, again, maybe even myself. But also, this Halloween 2023 event is actually different than the Halloween 2022 event. I don't know all the ways in which it's different, but, like, there's new uh, furniture for decorating. And there's new, like, the way you're getting this new stuff is different. Like, you're having to put stuff into, like, a witch's cauldron or whatever. Uh, there's a new Ooblet that was not in last year's Halloween event. It just, it's cool. Ooblets is really fucking cool. I'm kind of shocked more people haven't played it. Um, I wonder if it's a case of, like, people don't even understand what it is, maybe. That's all I can think of. But, yeah, more people should just play Ooblets. It's very relaxing and chill and goofy and fun. I, in terms of that tone that it's going for, that kind of Steven Universe... E adventure timey. I, I don't know exactly how to describe it, but I can't think of another game that has nailed it as well as Ooblets did. So that would just be giving a quick little shout out to Ooblets. Speaking of quick little shout outs, I didn't mention it last week. 
I am still playing a fuck ton of 30XX. Besides Gunbrella, it's basically the only game I've been playing on my Switch lately. Um, I think I'm over 80 hours. For those who haven't listened to previous episodes, 30XX is an indie Mega Man X4 roguelite thing, and it's fucking amazing. Definitely in my top five of the year, maybe even top three, I don't know. Um, like any roguelite or like most roguelites, there's like a super secret hidden ending, and I wasn't triggering anything to advance that at all, besides just beating the game the first time, and I wasn't too worried about it, I was just having fun doing it. I got to a level, I accidentally triggered the specific circumstances to 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 make one of these events happen. There's like four things you need to do to unlock the real ending scenario or whatever. I accidentally did one. Um, I went into this level that you know I've played dozens and dozens of times, but it was different. The music was different. There was a bunch of weird shit happening. The boss fight was completely different. Uh, it, it shook me to my core. It was frightening. Uh, so then I looked stuff up and realized I would have never figured out these other things on my own, so I just started following this guide to unlock it. Um, I haven't finished it yet. There, I'm on the last step to unlocking the real ending. Anyway, I, again, just wanted to shout it out. Please fucking play 30XX. If you like Mega Man X or Mega Man in general, you just like good games, good roguelites, good action stuff. 30XX, I don't think you're going to find anything better. Like, not not until um, probably Hades 2 are you going to find a better, more addictive roguelite. At least for me. I guess if you're not as big of a Mega Man dork as I am. Um, yeah, I guess maybe it won't scratch that same itch for you. Uh, the last thing I had down here was... Shocker, Baldur's Gate 3. <laughs> um... Just wanted to shout out that I'm still playing it, still loving it. Um, my wife and I really, we have started to, I don't know, we, we, we can see the code of the Matrix now. Like, I understand the battle system a lot better, and like, my capabilities now. Um, I was always complaining about Shadowheart, who is, like, the second party member you can get in the game. Um, I think she's, like, she's the classic, like, attractive fan favorite lady character or whatever. I don't know. Um, I, I think she's a lot of people's favorite characters. She's not mine. She's no Gale, but who is really? Um, she's a cleric, at least at the start. You can multi-class, do whatever you want with any of the characters. But on me and my wife's main file, we're not really multi-classing stuff because that was our first file and we didn't know what we were doing. You can respec at any time too, so maybe we should do that. I don't know. But I never understood how to be effective with Shadowheart in battle as a cleric. And I was mostly just, like, firing bolts and healing with her. Uh, I don't know exactly what happened. I know we found a legendary mace that, like, blinds enemies that are within six meters of her. And that it also can launch a Kamehameha. Um, and that kind of instantly made her, like, the, our best character in a lot of ways. Um, but I don't know. We just really started experimenting more with her in battle and came up with the setup I lured all these enemies down this, like, very narrow path in a forest. I launched the legendary mace Kamehameha in a straight line, and I killed, like, four dudes at once and blinded all the rest of them. And then I followed that up with Sanctuary, which 
enemies can't directly attack you. They can still hit you with AOE stuff, but they can't directly hit you until you yourself attack. And then I put this thing called Radiant Guardian on me, which made these like angelic laser beam birds surrounding me. So then I can just put on um, Sanctuary and then just walk around and have these birds like fuck everything up around me. Uh, and then I also summoned like a spiritual weapon. So I was able to attack with Shadow Heart just by walking around enemies and having these birds get on enemies and then summoning like a familiar uh, like astral plane weapon to come and fuck shit up. That was a really hard fight the first time we did this. And then on my file when I did that, I, I did that whole setup. I think only one character took any damage and it was like 10 HP. <laughs> It was in fucking sane. This game is unreal. It's all I'm thinking about a lot of the day, <laughs> a lot of the time. My wife messaging me yesterday was just like, I just want to come home and play Baldur's Gate. It wasn't like, I want to come home and like spend time with you or relax. or I want to come home and play Baldur's Gate. And I don't take offense to that. I think that fucking rules. I'm very happy that my wife not only has a game that she's enjoying on this level, because that doesn't happen for her as often as it does for me, I think, but, like, that she's enjoying it, like, way more than me, and I'm really loving it. <laughs> like, I think at this point, I haven't asked her. I would not be surprised if this is already her favorite game of all time. I I've said previously on this very podcast, it might be my favorite game of all time. Um, it is incredible. Anyone listening should just play Baldur's Gate. Just stop worrying just fucking play Baldur's Gate. Again, we're probably going to be talking about this for years. Every week, I'm just going to be in your ear chirping about how you should play Baldur's Gate if you haven't played Baldur's Gate. Maybe in a few years, then we can do a Games Club episode on it. Maybe. There's always fucking ambulances when I'm <laughs> recording this. Even two weeks ago when I was doing it at like six in the morning, there was still a fucking ambulance. Um, whereas, I swear they're not that common. <laughs> It's very weird this happens every time. Anyway, let's take our break. Um, it's probably going to be a shorter episode than previous ones, and that's kind of okay with me. Um, we do have more news stuff than previously, or than most of our previous episodes. So let's take a break. I'm going to get a coffee, and we'll talk some news.
I've got coffee. We're going to talk about some news. I've got a lot of news listed here, but like I said, I I don't think we're going to spend too much time on any of this. Maybe one thing in particular we'll spend more time talking on than I'm expecting to, but kind of doubt it. Let's get into it. Uh, the first thing I have here, uh, John Riccatello out as CEO of Unity. The only note I have written down for myself is LOL. Yeah, what is there to really say? Uh, maybe I shouldn't have started with this one. I don't want to make it seem like we're going to blast through 30 stories in five seconds each. Uh, if you somehow missed all the stuff going on with Unity, the game engine, and all the that stuff happening, all the horrible, horrible stuff happening, and why it's why he, John Riccatello is ousted and why that's funny, just, just go look it up somewhere. This isn't the time or place for it. We touched on it briefly, I don't know, two weeks ago or something. Okay, short story, Unity made some changes to their uh, end-user license agreement. It's very bad. Uh, they walked some of it back. It's still pretty bad. People were very upset. People are very upset, specifically indie game developers. It, In hindsight, it kind of seems like they just wanted a bigger slice of the Genshin Impact pie and thought Genshin Impact was too big that they wouldn't be able to get off of the Unity engine. Immediately, there were uh, job postings on, uh, I think, Hoyoverse is the name of the Genshin Impact developers. Immediately, there were job postings for people that have experience in different engines. So, kind of seems like John Riccatello just kind of nosedived the entire company and I'm sure he'll get a golden parachute on the way out, and I'm sure he'll be going off to ruin another company shortly. Hell, he might even end up being president of PlayStation. Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck cares? Until it affects us again in a couple of years, right? Uh, good that he's out. It's not going to change anything. Unity's done, at least from like a game development perspective. I know they have a lot of other businesses and whatever, but... Maybe they'll try and ruin those next two. I don't know. <laughs> um, next story. Let's just go on. Let me see, make sure I have the name of this right. Let me pronounce it the way it deserves to be pronounced. <clears throat> Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle Chomp Champs. Chomp Champs. Chomp Champs. Uh, it's a new Battle Royale Pac-Man game. They took down Pac-Man 99, which was my personal favorite of the Nintendo Switch Online uh, free Battle Royale games. That's it. I still haven't played it in like two years. Uh, it's very good, but I've said it before. We've talked extensively about F-Zero 99 and all this stuff. The skill level just gets too high and it's not enjoyable anymore. I, I don't have time to sit here and play thousands of hours of Pac-Man 99 as much as I'd like to. Um, yeah, that got taken down. I don't know if it's a licensing thing or whatever, but on the same day it got taken down, they announced Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle Chomp Champs. It looks good. Apparently it was a Google Stadia game originally exclusive, I guess. I don't know. And this is like a reworked version of it on modern consoles. Um, so yeah, there's, I think it's up to 64 players or something. I mean, I don't I don't have it written down. Uh, the main thing that is exciting as someone that liked Pac-Man 99 a whole lot is that unlike Pac-Man 99, 
you can actually go into other players' mazes and like directly affect what's going on there instead of just sending ghosts over from your board into other boards. Um, I do really like that format for Pac-Man 99. It worked great. I think it was very strategic and worked better than like Tetris 99 or Mario 35. Um, but I would really, I, I want to play this. I don't know if I'm going to. I don't know if they said, I'm assuming it costs money. It's not going to be a free-to-play thing. Don't know if I'll invest the money into it, but if it's free-to-play, I will definitely check it out. Um, a lot of cosmetic items you can unlock. But yeah, as the timer goes down, like there are, there are 64 or whatever mini amount of boards like on the screen. And like, you know, like most Battle Royales, like Fortnite and PUBG, as the timer goes down, boards start like disappearing. Like you need to get out of the board that you're in if it's outside of the zone. I think that's really fucking cool and neat. Um, there should just be a lot more of these like retro style or rather Battle Royale takes on retro games. Um, I've liked all of them. Again, even F-099, despite what y'all may try and paint me as. Um, this is just really cool. I hope, oh man, if they, if they did like Donkey Kong 99 on the Nintendo Switch Online, that would be fucking, oof. Oof. Yeah, it looks good. Let's just, let's read that name one more time. <clears throat> Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle Chomp Champs. I think they said that was an early 2024 release. It looks good. I'm excited for it. If it's free to play, I don't think it is, but if it is free to play, I will definitely check it out. If it's not, maybe I'll check it out down the road at some point. It looked good. We got a little tiny, tiny bit of an update on Animal Crossing Lego. They're out in March. There's five sets. Uh, they're not as expensive as I thought they were going to be. I think the most expensive one was $70, and that's uh, Tom Nook's shop and a villager house, plus like Tom Nook in the minifig of the villager. I think it was Marshall. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it looks good. March is my wife's birthday, so I'm sure I will be getting these, at least a couple of these for her. Probably the Isabel one for her birthday. Um, yeah, nothing else to say. They look good. These will be the first Legos that I buy since I was like a teenager, maybe even younger. I don't know. They look good. I saw other people brought this up too, that the simplicity of them in the sense that like it's, it, you know, they're not Star Wars Lego or Harry Potter Lego. They're still licensed Lego, but it's just, you know, Animal Crossing is a nonviolent game. So it's just village stuff. It's a shop and houses and, and whatever. Um, I saw people being like, oh yeah, these remind me of the Lego sets I had as a kid, which yeah, they do. And that's exactly why Animal Crossing was a better fit for Lego than, say, Mario or Zelda or whatever. Not to say that the Mario stuff isn't cool. Again, we talked about it a little last week. Animal Crossing was the perfect fit for Lego, and it's cool that it's happening. And I'm excited to at least own a couple of them, and then I'm sure our cat will destroy it. So that's fine. Speaking of small updates on things, the PlayStation 5 Slim was announced. And I see I was going for a theme with my notes this week because the only note I had written down here also in parentheses was LOL. Um, and the reason for that, I guess, is because it's just uh, 
it is a slimmer PS5. It looks like shit still. It's, it looks like a smaller PS5, but with like a diagonal line down it or across it. Somehow the digital version is more expensive. Uh, the slim digital is more expensive than the original slim. Or not original. Original digital. God, this is horrible. <laughs> um, yeah, whatever, man. The shit, it looks bad. The fact that the digital version is more expensive. The only real interesting thing here is that they are going to have a separate disk drive for people who end up buying the digital version, but want down the road, I guess, to have a disk drive, which is kind of sort of what happened with our original PS5. We bought the digital version, but that was more so because I bought it when they were still very, very hard to find, and I found a pretty good deal on it. Um, give uh, all other circumstances being perfect. Yeah, I would have bought the normal version with a disc drive just for being able to play used games and whatnot. That's always like a good option. So I'm assuming this disc drive works with the original digital PlayStation 5. God, fuck this. Um, if it does, I will probably check that out at some point. Um, that said, we have owned our PS5 for two and a half years now, and I don't really miss miss a disk drive as much as one would think, as much as I would think. Um, I didn't write it down. It isn't exactly news yet. I saw it a little bit last night. I wasn't planning on talking about it, but talking about all this digital-only stuff is making me kind of think about it. Apparently, Best Buy is, like, doing away with, like, all physical media, I, both in their retail stores and online shop, I guess. Again, this doesn't affect me. I don't think there's Best Buys here, but, you know, I grew up in America, and I shopped at Best Buys a lot. Um, yeah, that's weird. I mean, it's not weird from the sense of, like, yeah, <laughs> about time from, like, a business perspective. Like, I'm shocked Best Buy hasn't fully gone the way of Circuit City years ago. But at the same time, yeah, it, it feels weird. It feels bad. And, it yeah, we are going very quickly towards an all-digital future for games, and that doesn't feel good, even as someone that has 98% digital at this point. It doesn't feel good <laughs> going down that path. The only thing that gives me any kind of relief, I guess, from this is, um, you know, Nintendo is so slow to adopt to new trends that they'll probably still be making Switch cartridges for at least another decade, so at least there's that. Yeah, it, I don't know. It At this point, we're still a few years out from a PS6 and the next Xbox. I would not be surprised if those consoles are digital only. Like that there's no... Um, that there's no disk drive available at all. Sorry, I'm writing something to... Message... Oh yeah, and also uh, there was a rumor right after that news story broke or whatever broke that uh, Walmart is looking to not have any physical Xbox games in their stores anymore, which again, it makes sense. Here in Germany, I can tell you, uh, whenever we're in one of the bigger electronic shops, now granted Xbox is predominantly an American brand and whatever, but the Switch and PlayStation 
uh, aisles and display units are so much bigger and grander than Xbox stuff. Like you'll find like a row of Xbox stuff at best and that's it. Um, the biggest electronic shop by us, I'm assuming the biggest in Hamburg. I've never asked my wife, but it's pretty fucking huge. It's five floors, maybe even six. I think there's a basement um, of electronic stuff. And um, the gaming floor, like there, we were just there the other day at Saturn is what it's called. Like a huge like PlayStation area. Like there was a giant Spider-Man statue, um, big giant screen running trailers of Spider-Man 2 constantly. There's multiple PS5 demo kiosks and stuff. There's Switch demo kiosks. Uh, there's nothing for Xbox. Like, there's just a lonely row of green and white cases for Xbox, and that is it. Uh, it, You know, it's interesting. Xbox's big defense with, like, the Activision acquisition stuff going on. You know, their major defense is like, well, we're the underdog in this space, which... Yeah, kind of, but also kind of not, you know, uh, like, yeah, poor little Microsoft with its $40 billion or whatever. But like, at the same time, yeah, they, they are largely, if it wasn't for Game Pass and the Series S, I think Xbox would at this point be fully irrelevant. So I don't necessarily disagree <laughs> that Xbox as a brand is not nearly as relevant as their competitors, but it doesn't change the fact that you are owned by Microsoft, you know, um, or that you're under Microsoft. So anyway, I don't want to get into all that shit, whatever. We already went on a longer tangent than I was expecting to with that, but it's interesting this digital future that we are rapidly heading towards. And yeah, that got accelerated because of COVID in 2020. Um, Alan Wake 2 is out in like, what, two weeks, less than two weeks. And yeah, that's getting no physical release, at least right now. I still hazard a guess that it will get some kind of limited run, whatever physical collector's edition down the road. Um, I think same thing with the Yakuza man who sold his name or whatever the spinoff that takes place between like seven and eight that's out in a few weeks i think that is also not getting a physical yeah i don't know i i, I feel like the main things that will get physicals in the immediate future or in the near future still are uh like kids games and nintendo games and stuff but like, yeah, you'll probably always see physical sonic games or i shouldn't say always but at least for the foreseeable future i think you will continue to see you know, Sonic superstars at the stores and, and stuff of that ilk. But yeah, I don't, like, it, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, Alan Wake 2 is not going to be a massive seller, most likely. And does Walmart really want to carry a bunch of copies of Alan Wake 2, you know? Um, again, I'm not in that business. I don't, I don't know how money is made with that kind of shit or whatever. It always felt to me like games must just like not make much money at retail. And it's kind of weird that they sell them there. I think the profit margins aren't super high on video games either. I don't know. That's also, I am very ignorant on, I don't know if anyone in our discord knows anything about that. I don't know. Whatever. Let's move on to the next story. Oh, I guess we started off talking about the PS5 slim. Yeah, that looks awful. The PlayStation five is the worst console I've ever owned. I'm getting a lot of use out of it now because of Baldur's Gate, but 
I think the rumor is the PS5 Pro is November of next year, which, hey, if the Switch 2 is next year, good fucking luck, I guess. Uh, if it wasn't for Baldur's Gate, I, I basically would only be playing on my Switch at this point. Now, that'll change for a couple of reasons. For one, Spider-Man 2 is out in a week, actually, um, which I just pre-ordered that. I was hemming and hawing back and forth for weeks. Finally decided to just shut up and buy it. I'm looking forward to it. I liked the first game, and Miles Morales was a big improvement, so I'm excited for that. But beyond that, I did want to shout out some of these PlayStation Plus extra games that are coming this month, probably next week at some point. I don't know when it updates exactly. I'm not going to go over all of them because I don't care about all of them, but there are some interesting ones here. Uh, the big headliner is Gotham Knights, which I don't really care about that. I doubt I'll even download it. I, I don't care. I liked, you know, the, the Batman Arkham games. Um, this was kind of billed as, I don't know, almost like a looter shooter is thing, but it's melee combat with like all the, all the bat kids or extended bat family. I really don't care. I have zero interest in this, but you know, it's, it's the big headliner game of this month for PlayStation plus extra. I guess that's a good get especially because I don't think it sold well, so there probably aren't that many people that played it, and it seemed like a game that people would be like, oh, it's free, yeah, now I'll play it. Um, the big one for me is Disco Elysium, The Final Cut. I have still never played Disco Elysium. Boogs wrote a piece for the Critical Diversions magazine last year. Um, I think that's probably the one that he's going to end up reading for our podcast, our anniversary podcast thing. Um... That and 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim are the only two games in that magazine that I never played. They are now both going to be on PlayStation Plus Extra. I really need to get to it. Um, especially now that I have been playing like 100 hours of Baldur's Gate, I wonder if something like Disco Elysium seems less intimidating to me now because it is also a kind of, um, I don't know, esoteric... CRPG. It, it always really intimidated me in a lot of ways, but now that I've got over that hump a bit with, with uh, Baldur's Gate, maybe I can do it. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. Maybe we could even do that for a mini games club thing in November when we're doing all our Yakuza stuff. I don't know. That sounds pretty cool. Let's see. Uh, a couple others. The Dark, Pic <laughs> the Dark Pictures Anthology, House of Ashes. I don't know much about these games. Are, I think they're done by the same people that did that Until Dawn, if I'm not mistaken. If they're not by the same people, then they're similar. Like horror games where you're making like choices and whatever, cinematic focus. I don't know anything about them, really. I know that the people that like them really, really like them. I've still never played Until Dawn. I've heard very good things about Until Dawn. From what I've heard, this is actually the best one of these Dark Pictures anthology games. So that's interesting. Um... Alien Isolation, still never played this, heard really good things. Cool that it's coming to PlayStation Plus. The last one I want to shout out, Far Changing Tides. Um, I own this on Switch. I still have yet to play it. It is a sequel to Far Lone Sales, which is one of my favorite indie games of all time. And I don't know why I haven't played Changing Tides yet. I just, I don't know. I've owned it since it came out on Switch, I think, and I just still haven't sat down with it um it's a game well the first game at least and i'm assuming the second one too you're a little dude and you're 
it's a side scroller just left to right but you're moving this giant like tank car so you're having to like burn stuff in the furnace and to get the engine going and you're having to when there's wind put the sail up and you, there's other tasks i don't remember what they all are but yeah it's like you're trying to manage all these tasks by running around in your your vessel to keep your thing going and then occasionally you'll run into things that you can't advance until you solve puzzles to get your your vessel past the obstacles um y'all know me i love dragon quest heroes rocket slime um one of my favorite games of all time and part of it is because you're just you're a little dude running around a big like mechanism and like doing things that affect a greater whole i don't know how else to describe it um obviously this doesn't play like rocket slime you're not battling things you're just trying to get your vessel to press forward and continue on um I really love that first game. It has a very unique vibe. It's not very long. I think less than three hours. Um, I really should get to this. And maybe maybe it being on PlayStation Plus Extra, maybe that'll be the thing that pushes me towards it. Uh, I said that was the last one. That was the last one I cared about. I do want to read off this name, Gungrave Gore, or Gungrave G-O-R-E. Don't know what that is, but that's a cool name for a thing. <laughs> I'm sure the game sucks. Okay, that's unfair. I shouldn't say that. I'm sure I have very little interest in the game, but the name Gungrave Gore, that's pretty cool. I hope it's as cool as it sounds. Probably not, though. I'm going to take a sip of coffee. Yep, that's good. That's very good. Last thing on my list, my notes here, as of yesterday, yeah, the 12th, it's Pokemon X and Y's 10th anniversary. It's not really news, and I know I'm not like, we're not going to do like a full retrospective. I think Seth and Eric over at All In, on their episode that goes up tomorrow, they are doing a full retrospective on it. Um, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to talk about Pokemon. <laughs> uh, and I actually really like X and Y. So, let me give a brief overview for those that don't know. So... October 12th, 10 year anniversary, like I said, these were the first 3DS Pokemon games or first mainline 3DS Pokemon games. Maybe there were spinoffs or something. I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, these were the first fully 3D mainline games. So again, not spinoff Pokemon games, but this is the sixth generation of Pokemon and the first one that isn't using sprites. Uh, this is also the first global release for the series, or like nearly worldwide release. Like it came out in Japan, America, Europe, Australia at the same time. I don't. So it definitely wasn't world worldwide, but it was the first time that Japan didn't get this thing like six months to a year ahead of time. And it was the introduction of fairy types, which is a great typing, mostly because they changed my favorite Pokemon, Azumarill, to be half water and half fairy. Uh, fairy is immune to dragon-type attacks and is super effective against dragon-types, so Azumarill became, like, the best dragon killer ever. I don't know if that's true, but in, in my head canon, it is. Um, I don't know, Pokemon X and Y at the time... You know, this predates Pokemon Go by a few years. I think Pokemon Go, that hit the same year that Sun and Moon hit. 
So that was really when it felt like Pokemon Fever kind of really, really came back. But for me, as someone that didn't participate that much in Pokemon Go and didn't play that much Pokemon Sun and Moon, X and Y was the last time a Pokemon game felt like, I don't know, like a marquee title. Like, this was a big deal. This is the first 3D Pokemon game. This is the first Pokemon game on 3DS. It felt like a huge advancement. You know, we'd had um, Diamond, Pearl, Platinum, Heart Gold, Soul Silver, Black and White, Black 2 and White 2. That's a lot of Pokemon games all in the DS. You know, the DS lifespan was a while, and Pokemon games are always kind of like Kirby. They're they're kind of they're late in the in, in the system's library, in the system's lifespan. Um, it I don't know. It just felt like a huge deal. I, I feel like a lot of people that weren't interested in Pokemon anymore. This made them interested again. My wife hadn't played a Pokemon game uh, since Gold and Silver on Game Boy Color, and I yeah. She, she was all in on this. Um, I actually... This kind of ties into all that Pokemania, Pokefever stuff. Um, this is the first time I was, like... I don't know, actively playing the game beyond the story. Like, I was actively, like, shiny hunting and doing shiny uh, breeding and shiny chains. There was a way you could, like... You could ping a thing of grass and it would make grass rustle around you. And if you w went into the correct grass, you could keep chaining the same Pokemon. And like once you got to like 40 encounters of the same Pokemon, it was basically a guaranteed shiny. Um, I spent a whole afternoon trying to track my now wife down a uh, shiny female Heracross. Uh, Heracross is like one of like a top three Pokemon for me, honestly. And my wife really loves bugs in general and, and beetles. And shiny Heracross is pink, and female Heracross is like a much shorter heart-shaped horn than like, I don't know, the, the more spiky horn that uh, male Heracross has. I kept, I, the chaining was pretty, pretty easy to do. Um, I only messed up a couple times. It still took me like a whole afternoon because the shiny one I kept encountering kept being a male. So I think I encountered three shiny male hair crosses before I got the female one that I was looking for. Um, I don't know. It just felt like this was a big deal at the time. Um, this is also how I found Twitch. Like when I was looking for, it was probably guides on how to do the shiny training or maybe it was guides on how to do the EV training in this game. Um, I, I somehow got directed to a Twitch stream and I was like, oh, this is cool. I could just watch people play games. And that turned into my, that was how I fell asleep for years was on my, on my Chromebook. I would have a Twitch stream up, um, usually while playing a game. And then I'd get tired, turn my game off, but keep their game going. Um, I actually found this like Mormon couple that would stream, they were streaming Pokemon for like a month straight. Like they were just, they were tag teaming it and like, uh, all right, I'm going to bed. You take over. It's your shift. And they streamed for a month straight. Besides, like I think a little bit of a power outage, they streamed for a month straight. It was a big deal back then. I'm, it was. It's weird to think about now, but you know, Twitch was so new at the time, um, and that was so novel. That would be novel even today, I think. But especially back then, like, yeah, this. I think it was a husband and wife and the husband really wanted to be a full-time streamer and they kind of did it overnight. Like, yeah, we're streaming 
the new Pokemon games for a month. Um, and that was a big contributing factor to, I don't know, it just felt like everyone was playing Pokemon. And obviously I know all of these games sell tens of millions of copies. You know, I, I put over 200 hours into Scarlet. Um, I really liked my time with it. I really enjoyed the time I spent with it. But looking back, I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? Like, <laughs> there's so much, there's so much wrong with this game. Um, you know, the Pokemon designs are always fantastic, but the, I don't know. There's so little substance unless you are wanting to get into like competitive battling, which I, I just don't want to. I, I I have zero interest in that. I still like making like cool teams and EV training the teams, but I don't I don't want to like actually battle other people maybe if my wife wanted to but she has zero zero interest in that but yeah, i don't know pokemon x and y to me were just really special um it was kind of the height of the 3ds for me too because animal crossing new leaf had come out uh what was that, june of that year june of 2013 so like this is right when my animal crossing high was ending it's like oh now we're going to pokemon i even remember there were tweets at the time people were drawing cute comics of like their villagers leaving the village to go be a Pokemon trainer and stuff. Um, it was the last time Pokemon really felt like a global community to me, and that's really fucking cool. Um, also, the online systems <laughs> in Pokemon games, this was like the peak of that. They just keep getting worse ever since. Uh, I think it was called the PSS system. I don't know what that stands for. Who fucking knows? Uh, but like, if you were online, you could just see other people online around you. They didn't appear as like avatars in like on your top screen of the 3DS, but you saw them on the bottom screen represented as like icons and you could just like click on whoever you wanted and just initiate like trades or battles and stuff. So like, again, you don't actually see their avatars in your game world. You just see them on your bottom screen, like in a list, but even still, I don't know. It felt like. You know, it reminded me of running into actual NPC trainers, like, in, in the Pokemon game. Like, oh, I found a trainer that wants to fight, and now we're fighting. Uh, it was so seamless and so cool. Like, why is this early, or, like, yeah, pretty early 3DS game, why does this feel like it has way better online features and functionality than, like, any Switch game does, you know, especially the Pokemon games? They have really pared down... Um, Pokemon's like online system since then. That's a shame. Uh, even with like Arceus, uh, Legends Arceus, I know the multiplayer wasn't the focus. Like this was a Pokemon game where it really was way, way more focused on the single player and the story and stuff. And that's fine. And I really liked Arceus, but they still included online so you could at least trade. I don't think you could battle, but I don't, I don't remember. Uh, I traded a fair bit with like my wife and I think Colin and Wilkins I each sent Pokemon to and stuff. But like the system was dumb as hell. You had to put in like like a, a room code or whatever, but it was like it wasn't even numeric. It was like Pokemon. Like alright, my code's like Pikachu, Caterpie, Clefairy, whatever. Like what why? <laughs> because it also leads to I I think I once was in the wrong room. Like I I I could have sent like a, a a shiny piplup to a random person instead of my wife. Uh, I don't know. I understand, you know, a big thing with Pokemon is that they are for kids. 
you know, it, it's fine that there are adults that play Pokemon. I'm an adult that still has played all the Pokemon games. But they are meant for kids. In the same way that Mario games are still meant for kids. It's okay to not find them challenging. You know, I would say Mario 3 and World, these games that are held on like the highest of pedestals nowadays, they're not that hard anymore, you know? It, it's just, you're not a kid anymore, and maybe you haven't played them in a while, or maybe you just have such rose-tinted glasses for them, but Mario 3 and World are not that hard. World a little bit when you get to, like, the Secret World or the Star Road or whatever it's called, but um, they're not that hard. And, you know, I'm not expecting Mario Wonder to be hard, and I don't want it to be super hard. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it either, but I, I just don't expect it, because that's not what these games are meant to be. And it's the same thing with Pokemon. Um, again, I did, you know, I agree with everyone that says these games should look and run better. This is like the biggest moneymaker series on the planet. Yeah, I agree. It is, but the games keep selling. And if kids are happy with it, who the fuck am I, you know? And I think I've largely grown out of Pokemon, despite the fact that, yeah, I played fucking hundreds of hours of Pokemon Scarlet, but yeah, you know, I have zero interest in the DLC for Scarlet. Um, I don't know if I even have interest in Pokemon at all right now. Uh, like I'm having more fun talking about X and Y to myself right now. And I guess to all of you that are listening, uh, then I have, then the, then like the idea of playing a Pokemon game is right now. Like just, I don't know, sitting here, sipping a coffee, ruminating on like, yeah, my life 10 years ago was a lot sadder, but also a lot simpler and like. I would stay up till two hatching Charmander eggs, trying to get a shiny Charmander while watching Scrubs, you know? That, you know, again, sad. I didn't realize it was sad at the time, and I look back, and it is very sad, but there is a certain, yeah, simplicity that is lost, and I wouldn't want to go back, but I look back on that time fondly now when I didn't look on it super fondly back then. And that's kind of how I feel about X and Y as a whole. Um, I remember people didn't seem too hot on X and Y at the time. It reviewed very well, I think, but that doesn't tell you what the fans think of stuff or whatever. Um, I don't know. It, it feels like after X and Y came out, it went through like a Zelda cycle of like, oh yeah, this game is like the worst one in the series. But now black and white is the best, which I love black and white. Um, I think I might be the only person on Earth that loves black and white and X and Y. Um, it is interesting because they were very different approaches in a lot of ways, but especially story. Like black and white is the only Pokemon game. Well, I guess now Arceus too, but at the time black and white was the only entry in the series that felt like it was trying to tell an actual story and it had things to say. And at times actually felt... I don't know, like a, like an actual like 16-bit RPG kind of in a lot of ways. And then X and Y a few years later kind of just goes the opposite route and it's like the least interesting story of the series in a lot of ways. Um, I remember there's like a weird giant dude and like he's sad because his Pokemon died in a war or something and then he's, he's doing something? He's standing around looking weird? I, I don't know. And like the team... The evil team in this is like I don't even remember what they are. I know they're they're in red, like they're team crimson or something. He's got red hair. 
I don't know. <laughs> it's not good. It's not memorable at all. It's maybe the least memorable of the whole series. Um, and I think a lot of people, like, I don't know, they were really making fun of it at the time. But it's like, who the fuck plays Pokemon for story? Not to say that, again, not to say that you can't have cool story and stuff like this, but you didn't need it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, when... With Pokemon, and again, not just because it's for kids, but it's just not the gameplay appeal. You know, we talked about it with Gunbrilla yesterday, which is kind of the opposite. Um, it doesn't have as much gameplay as I was expecting, or gameplay variety, or it doesn't live up to its gameplay potential. And that's a little disappointing, but it's not that big of a deal because it's a narrative-focused game. It was partially just my perception that was off and that caused me to think about things in a certain way and have certain expectations. Um Pokemon's kind of the same way, like, yeah, I can laugh at how dumb the story in X and Y is or whatever, or I guess I can't because I don't remember it besides there being a giant dude, uh, but who cares? I have a lot of fond memories of the game, um, and we didn't even talk about, like, the maybe the biggest thing about the game, uh, the Mega Evolutions, which the Mega Evolutions are the first time we had like a generation specific battle gimmick. So every Pokemon generation since X and Y has had a specific battle gimmick that gets dumped the next mainline series or the next, the next mainline set of games. So there's mega evolutions here, which is what it sounds like. Uh, you can temporarily evolve your Pokemon to a new form. It goes away at the end of the battle or whatever. Um, and that can change like your Pokemon's typing, give them unique moves, uh, have other things going on, which we'll talk about. Um, to me, this is easily the coolest of these. Um, Pokemon Sun and Moon had the Z moves, which, ugh, who cares? The Z moves, compared to Mega Evolutions and even the stuff that came later, Z moves is just so uninteresting. They're probably better balanced, I would hazard a guess. Um, but they're just not interesting. It was just like a, any of your Pokemon could do a Z move of like a, of a certain type. So like your Pikachu has an electric Z move, but maybe can learn, like if it's a special promotional Pikachu, you could probably learn like an air Z move or whatever. It just wasn't, it wasn't interesting. Um, it's the most basic of like comeback mechanics in a lot of ways. Uh, certain Shield Gen 8 had um, Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing. Which, yeah, kind of cool. I really like some of the forms. It just it made your Pokemon really fucking big with Dynamax, and then Gigantamax was like unique forms. Like Snorlax would grow like a biome on his giant belly, <laughs> which was good. Um, there was a specific Pikachu Gigantamax that um, it made him look like he originally looked like in the original anime in gen one where he's like chubbier and rounder and shorter. Um, that was very good. And when, when you would do it, you'd summon him, he'd go like Pico. Very fucking good. That's uh that's Pac-Man mega tunnel battle chomp champs, Pico. Um, and then Scarlet and Violet have the terrestrialization, which objectively is like a gameplay changer i think is easily the most interesting like i think objectively terrestrialization is the best of these battle gimmicks 
but it's also the least interesting visually. Like even the Z moves look cooler in a lot of ways. Um, I don't know. Mega Evolutions was they were the perfect like mix of utility, but also looking distinct and cool, even if they weren't balanced. So you had shit like Mega Kangaskhan, where uh, it was just a normal Kangaskhan, but the the baby hopped out of the pouch, and then like all of your moves hit twice, and it completely fucking broke the competitive meta, which is sick. <laughs> um, a lot of Megas strayed too far into like the overdesign territory for me, at least at the time. Like I don't know, Mega Gengar kind of lame i kind of like mega gengar but he's kind of lame but mega alakazam i don't know he just looks stupid i think mega blastoise is dumb he just gets a bigger cannon on his back uh mega alakazam he's got a bunch of spoons floating around him instead of two or whatever it's dumb but looking back with 10 years of hindsight i can kind of appreciate how stupid they are uh and i understand now that like yeah they were stupid on purpose in a lot of ways like that was the idea um, I did write down a few of my favorite Megas, which I guess doesn't necessarily help you since this is a podcast, but for one, Mega Ampharos is one of my favorite Pokemon of all time. Always been a big fan of Ampharos. He's that like, he's the evolved form of Mareep. I guess he's supposed to look like a shaved sheep. Um, he's like a big yellow kind of, what's that like spiky little dinosaur from Gumby. He's kind of looking like that, but less spiky and taller. Uh, Mega Ampharos, I think for one, gives him dragon electric typing, so he gains dragon, but he also just gets a giant head of hair. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sure there is like Japanese lore or folklore, maybe not even Japanese, but maybe in some different region. Um, I'm sure there's some mythology behind what is going on with Mega Ampharos. I don't care. It's fucking amazing. Mega Ampharos is great, and I think, to me, justifies the entire existence of Megas on its own. Uh, Mega Blaziken, he looks more Kung Fu-ish, and I think he's got, like, black on his legs instead of, like, red or something. Uh, but he's also got, like, big fire stream of scarves coming out of his wrists. He just looks cool. I like Blaziken. I think a lot of people didn't like Blaziken. I always thought Blaziken was cool, but Mega Blaziken kind of rules. Uh, Mega Abomasnow. Abomasnow being the grass and ice type from Gen 4, I think it was. Uh, he just looks bigger and puffier and fluffier and like more huggable. I don't know what it, I don't know if it changes his typing or gives him a unique move. He just looks a lot puffier and friendlier and kind of cute. Speaking of cute, maybe let's talk about some of the cool Gen 6 Pokemon. I will say, overall, I do think this is one of the weakest batch of po new Pokemon ever. I think this in Gen 4 might take it. I think Gen 4 is still worse <laughs> than this in a lot of ways. Uh, Gen 4 just sucks, man. At least Diamond and Pearl. Obviously, Heart Gold and Soul Silver is like maybe my favorite Pokemon game. Uh, but in terms of like the new Generation 4 Pokemon. Probably the worst batch of new Pokemon. Gen 6 is not far behind it, though, in my eyes. But there are still some good ones. Uh, I wrote them down. Skiddo. He's just a little grass goat. He's cute. Uh, Pancham and his evolved form, Pangoro. They are... Well, Pancham is like a little... He's like a little rowdy Bart Simpsons. 
or Bart Simpson panda. Um, he's got a little leaf in his mouth. He just he just looks real ornery. He's he's real cool. He's very cute. I'd hug him. He evolves into Pangoro, who's just like a big, mean-looking panda. I think he also has like a leaf in his mouth, but it's a bigger leaf now. The leaf evolved with him. Uh, I think they're dark and fighting or something. Very fucking cool. They're probably my favorite Pokemon from uh, Gen 6. Esper, which is a weird little dead-eyed cat psychic <laughs> thing. Uh, I don't like its evolved form as much. It gets like stripy. I just like Esper. He just looks like he's... He looks like he knows what happens after you die. And then Esper just like, I don't know, he's just like an anime cat. I don't know. Or rather, Esper looks cool and like he knows what happens after you die. It's his evolved form that doesn't... He's just an anime cat, whatever. Not cool. Gumi, Sligu, and Gudra. Slimy dragons. What can... What, what else do I need to say? They're slimy dragons. They're great. Uh, I don't... You know, by the time these games came out, I didn't care about owning plushies. I guess I don't really care about owning plushies in general, besides the ones my wife wants. Uh, I did order a Gumi plush off of the Pokemon Center back then. Uh, it's great. Gumi's fantastic. Phantump and Pumpkaboo, which are both grass ghost types. Phantump is like a little tree stump ghost. in <laughs> uh, Pumpkaboo, as its name would imply is a ghost pumpkin thingy. Uh, just very cute. Grass, I feel like for me, is like my least used type of Pokemon in general. But I feel like grass also consistently has some of the best and cutest looking Pokemon. Uh, and Phantom and Pumpkaboo really kind of um, exemplify that for me. Uh, the last one I'd written down was Klefki, which is just a... <laughs> it's like a floating key ring with some keys on it. It's like fairy and steel type. Again, fairy being new to this generation. I think people really hated Klefki. Uh, I find that a lot of Pokemon that look like real world objects, people, most people hate and I really like. You've got the Trubbish, who's literally just like, you know, an anthropomorphic trash bag in Gen 5. Also the ice cream cones in Gen 5, I really like those, especially Trubbish. Klefki is another one of those. It's just a fairy that's possessing like a key ring or something. I don't know. I really like it. It's cute. It's fun. It's fun typing. Steel and fairies, neat. Okay. That is all I have in my notes. Episode ran a little longer than I was expecting. So like I said, we've got Firewatch that should be happening this coming week. We've got Mario Wonder... After that, Mario Wonder and Spider-Man 2, as mentioned before, those are both out a week from today, the 20th. Um, I'm still not committed to this show being weekly, and next week will be a good test of my commitment to that non-commitment, I guess, because I don't know that I'm going to have time to put one of these out, especially if we're all playing Mario Wonder and stuff at the time. We'll see. Uh, you'll be hearing my voice, whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but you'll be hearing my voice again soon. Again, within the next week, hopefully, with Firewatch. And we'll see if we'll see if we do another Games of News uh, next week. And if not, definitely soon after. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. I'm going to go do other podcast stuff and finish this coffee. See ya, bye!